Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. This is the number one daily radio show for realtors looking for a no BS, authentic, real-time coaching experience. What's really working in today's market, how to generate more leads, make more money, and have more time for what you love in your life. And now your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. Today is part two, and Julie and I are talking about sharing with you, coaching you, what to do when you have low-balling buyers appearing in your life. Now, what do we mean by that? Julie and I were doing a bit of a drill down. Statistically, what a low-ball offer might be in your market is different than other markets, but let's just agree that what a low-balling offer is is something that's maybe lower than the asking price by 10%. Or even more, obviously, adjust accordingly depending on the nature of your market. We just shared with you guys yesterday how to get into your MLS and know what the exact percent of the list-to-sell price ratio truly is. That's right. And the reason we did that is because sometimes it will seem like a lowball offer when you're coming in under list price, but it was actually an overpriced listing and your offer might actually be appropriate. So we showed you on yesterday's podcast how to make that assessment and when it's appropriate to come in a little bit lower, and when it would be a really dumb idea to come in lower if something's been on the market for 22 seconds and has a bunch of showings lined up. And there's a lot of complexity, actually, uh, to what Julie just said. And I'll give you an example, and just keep this in mind when you're you know, uh, evolving in your real estate career. You might be in a market where things are actually uh, appreciating significantly. And we, mm-hmm. Julie and I anticipate that there's going to be really a 10-plus year run of really quite astonishingly good appreciation in real estate home values. There's really no reason to believe that's not true. Supply and demand is definitely in the favor of homeowners right now. So that said, there are going to be markets where the prices are not going to necessarily appreciate. So the homeowner might read in the uh, paper that, you know, maybe some sort of national CNN type thing, and they're going to read, well, homes in the United States have appreciated, or really they're inflating, but appreciated by 6.5%. The low end estimate for overall national appreciation, by the way, right now, 6.3%, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Do I remember correctly? Okay. Right. So, um, Julie's my fact checker. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So far, that's about where it is. And there are areas that are well higher than that. You know, we were just visiting some of our friends in Miami and it was like way higher than that. Well, so some of you are going to be in areas where the prices are not increasing in value by that much because there's external factors. There could be all kinds of different things happening with major employers, or maybe you're in a part of a country where there's a particular, uh, it's heavy in one particular industry and that industry is not having, you know, you guys get it. So you're going to have to take this information. We're just giving you, this podcast is listened to, you know, by millions of agents every year, primarily in the United States and all the rest of the world. So we can't give you that much drill down information as pertains to your market. So we're expecting you to be a true real estate professional and do that yourself. And oh, good for you. We have given you lots and lots of podcasts and training on how to do a really kick-ass CMA and really how to understand the MLS statistics. So go back and listen to one of our, you know, what, 5,000 past podcasts (laughs) and you'll find lots of drill done on that content. But for the sake of helping you right now in this market, when a low-balling offer appears in your life, whether you're the listing agent or you're working with a buyer that insists on, you know, always low-balling, this is step three of what you should be doing. Yes, and step one and two were yesterday, so this will make more sense if you make sure you're caught up on yesterday. Step three, after you've done your research, after you have done your own comparable market analysis and you've determined, is the house that your buyer is going to make an offer on priced right? Is it priced high, low, or just right? And you've got some facts in place. How long has it been on the market? 
Uh, have there any price reductions? All of those things is in preparation for actually writing the offer. So step three, this is where you educate your buyer clients on the market and the listing facts that you've gathered prior to your meeting. Meet your buyers in person and educate them on the facts based on your previous two steps. Again, we rolled those out for you on yesterday's podcast. And then decide together after that discussion what price should be offered for the result to be an accepted or at the very least countered offer versus just being ignored or rejected. Keep in mind that a lowball might still be warranted in some cases, depending on your findings. The below example though, and we're going to do some scripting today. So Tim, how can they get the notes before I get into some scripts? Thank you for reminding me. Scroll down below. If you're on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, we're on 30 different podcasting platforms. Just scroll down and all the show notes are there. Um, and I think if you if you're maybe on iTunes and they edit or rather they crop some of the notes, no worries. Just go over to timandjulieharris.com and you can find all of our notes there as well. Julie's giving you actual scripts. It's the reason she reminded me to remind uh, to you know let you guys know that they're waiting for you in the show notes below. And when you're there, make sure you join Premier Coaching. Premier Coaching is the next natural step for all of you in your real estate careers, whether you're a seasoned veteran. Um, or frankly, you're a new agent. It is the next natural step for all of you. Yes, Julie and I do have an elite coaching program. We do have coaching programs that are, you know, frankly, catered to the 1% of the 1% of agents out there. If you want to learn more about those programs, you can text me directly at 512-758-0206, 512-758-0206. We don't talk a lot about our uh, elite coaching programs because we know they're available. Basically, it's appropriate for the 1% of the 1%. But the reality of it is that some of you listening are going to be looking for and needing somebody to take you to the next level, especially because of this market. So if that's you, 512-758-0206. That's my cell phone number. Please text, don't call. But a vast majority of you, the perfect next natural step is definitely to join Premier Coaching. The link is below, or you can just go to premiercoaching.com, premiercoaching.com. All right. So back to trying to prevent a lowball offer. And in some of your cases, it's another lowball offer from that same client that insists on coming in low every time. We know that that is frustrating for you. So we're getting into some scripts. And uh, this example the, that we're about to do assumes that the house was correctly priced. Remember, you're going into this appointment prepared. You've done your research. So this example makes the assumption it was correctly priced. It did not have a bunch of condition issues, and it hasn't been sitting on the market forever. It's also worth mentioning, a lot of times when you guys get lowballing offers, um, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but it's because you did not prepare that buyer for the actual appropriateness of offers and what the current market conditions were. Again, they could have come off some move from a different market where mm -hmm. homes were selling for 10% plus, and that's, or maybe a different country. Folks from different countries are definitely going to want to negotiate more. So their expectations, like when Julie and I moved to Puerto Rico, you do not negotiate on real estate here. Not really. I mean, you pay where the seller is asking, you don't get a house. So, you know, the moral of the story is, is if a lot of times, if you find yourself working at the low ball offer, it, you're, you know, experiencing suffering that because of the fact that you did not educate them when you originally met with them. And that's the reason a lot of you need to learn how to frankly present to sellers. And, you know, uh, just as if you would trying to earn a listing, you got to show the buyer what I'm sorry, show, I said sellers, but I meant buyer, show the buyer the entire process through our buyer presentation. And in that you're also going to show them what the average list to sell price ratio is in the marketplace. You're going to show them what the homes are actually selling for. And if the buyer after you give them the factual information, still is insisting on running lowball offers, we are giving you permission as your coaches or your future coaches to hit the eject button on that buyer because they're probably never going to buy. 
Very well put. But you cannot hit the eject button until you have done the homework. It is not the buyer's homework. It is not their job to know what's appropriate. You know, maybe their dad told them, make sure you don't pay list price. Maybe well, that's all there is to it, right? It's funny that you said that. It's almost always the dad. Exactly. I mean, the worst thing ever when we sold real estate is when, like, the, you know, the buyer was about to, it's like a first-time buyer, you know. They're going to show up, and all of a sudden, on the actual, you know, day that they're going to make their final decision, the parents are in the car. And then, of course, the dad, you know, he's being a dad. He's trying to protect sure. his kid. You know, now all of a sudden he happens to be, you know, a self-proclaimed home inspector, roofing expert, and foundation lender. expert, mortgage lender. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So don't, you know, don't let the client do more work than you do. And, and you know, it's not their job. So here's a script. After you've done the work uh, and you're actually meeting in person, you're getting ready to write the offer and they're still thinking about coming in low. Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, I appreciate the fact that you're considering making an offer that's well below the list price. Of course, everyone wants to get the best price possible, but let's first review the facts about this listing so we can decide on an offer that makes sense and will achieve the goal of actually getting you this home, right? We're not just making offers for fun here. Right. So if the buyer's motivation is to feel like they're stealing a house more than it is to get the house, that is not a buyer. That is a looker. Exactly, especially after you've gone over this. So, so that was the intro spe- uh, speech, the intro script. Go over your market analysis, including the list to sell price ratio of the most recently sold and pending homes. Then you can use the following script. And of course, you're going to modify based on each property that you're offering on. This is just one example. Now you can say, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, the average list to sell price ratio. So let's pause there for a second in case they don't know. That's the difference between the list price and the actual sold price of real comparable sales. In most parts of the country, it is at least 100% and will be that for some time. Thus our script here, Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, the average list to sell price ratio for homes that have sold and are most similar to the one we're offering on is... 99% or 100%. Some areas it's 105%. Now it's important you guys understand the list to sell price ratio is based on the last list price and what it actually sold for, not the original list price if there were price reductions. So you might want to run it both ways, but frankly, in a lot of MLSs, it's hard to get the statistics because they're going to show what the house sold for. uh, I'm sorry, what the last list price was and what it sold for. I don't really know how relevant it is showing what the original list price was versus what it sold for because all you're trying to show is the fact that when homes are priced correctly, they basically sell for full ticket. That's right. I I do think it's valuable in some cases to just show that history that if you get into the archive and especially if you are making an offer and it's like the day after they just came down by something significant and your comps actually support their price, that's a reason not to lowball. Because now they're priced right. And remember, consumers can hop on Zillow, Realtor.com, and they can actually see the listing history, including oftentimes the various price reductions and days on the market. Yeah, so don't let them know more than you do. All right, so Mr. and Mrs. Buyer, the average list to sell price ratio for homes like the one we're offering on is 99%. That means that sellers in this neighborhood are only negotiating down by about 1% currently, assuming again, to Tim's point, that it is priced right and based on the comps that uh, that they actually priced it correctly. So let's take a look here. Your proposed offer is, and you're going to calculate that out, about, let's say, 88% of the list price. So that's 11% lower than they're looking for. With other offers expected, it's unlikely that they'll even consider yours based on what they and their listing agent know the house will sell for. If you want this home to be yours, you'll need to come in much closer to the list price to get it. Do you still want to come in that low based on these facts, or should we reconsider? Remember that our mission is to actually get you this house, right? That's a motivation check. Yeah, exactly. 
Okay, now, again, to your point, and I, I didn't have this in our notes because we we're using an example of something that was priced right in, in having this conversation. We did this, I remember, many times where you use the list-to-sell price ratio, the days on the market, the competition, you use the facts to show them, hey, you know, if you actually want this house, it's kind of a bad idea to come in that much less than what the seller, the listing agent, you know, knows they can get and what we also know it'll appraise for. So let's talk about this. A lot of inexperienced hackish agents will try to get buyers to commit to working with them because they're going to say that somehow they have this mystical, magical witchcraft powers to uh, get lowball offers accepted. Overpromising. Overpromise. You're going to get fired continuously if you do that. You're never going to sell a house. You're, you know, that is not a path forward for you to be successful working with buyers. So just keep that in mind. And I know- Why do agents do that? Lack of uh, experience, but really lack of skill. Yes. Because they don't have, there's, they're trying to uh, essentially explain why that buyer would choose them, you know, over all the other agents out there Mm -hmm. that'd be happy to sell them a house. And so they're going to sort of mislead the seller or the buyer into believing that they have some sort of secret code to get- you know, sellers who are priced correctly in a seller's market to somehow accept lower than, you know, uh, what, what should you reasonably, they should reasonably ex- expect. Now, you won't sell a house. And furthermore, if you do get that buyer to write a lowball offer, they get rejected. The offer doesn't even get, you know, essentially mm-hmm. responded to. You're going to get fired. So don't lead with that. Lead with skill. Lead with the ability to coach, to counsel uh, the buyers through the process of what they have to do to be successful buying the home. And I'm going to lean back into this. I've been saying this continuously because I know this is a major sinkhole for a lot of you. If you're still finding yourself working with a buyer, after you've explained to them the list to sell price ratio, after you've explained to them the nature of the market, and you've proved it to them analytically with your, you know, your well thought out and, and conceived CMA, and they still are insisting that they're only going to buy something if they can steal it, you need to listen to what Julie's next point is. <laughs> Sorry, you were, I was reading ahead as you were speaking. So uh, after you have presented and you use the script, and the beautiful thing about that script, you were talking about this, you know, don't try and razzle-dazzle them and convince them that you can do something that's really not likely in a hot seller's market. The cool thing about this little micro script where you take the list to sell price ratio and you say, why would they consider your offer if historically this market's only coming down by 1% or 2%? Well, let's say... We enter a different kind of market and you use the same script, but you just insert the sellers are coming down to 95% and they still want to come in at 11% lower. It's the exact same script. You're just using different uh, numbers, okay? So adjust accordingly. It works in all types of markets. Now, step number four, and we're ready to prepare the offer. Qualified and motivated buyers who want to buy the home will typically see the light after your presentation and ask you to prepare an offer that should be acceptable to the seller or at least one that would be countered versus rejected. I want to give them a short script, Julie. This is frankly sure. the one that we used to say a lot. So if you're working with a buyer and they, you know, they've been watching too much HTTV about lowballing and their know-it-all father-in-law is giving them a bunch of misinformation on how real estate transacted in 1960, just all this Mickey Mouse, right? Yep. You need to ask the buyer a series of questions. You've shown the CMA. You've shown what the house to sell for, list to sell price ratio. You've shown them, you know, the days in the market, so they know it's a hot seller's market, and they know things sell for, you know, basically full asking price. Then you need to ask them this question: If you, so Mr. Buyer, you now have all the same information, and so does the seller. The seller knows the days in the market. The seller knows the list to sell price ratio. The seller knows what the nature of what's actually happening overall in the real estate market. So now I have a question for you: If you are that 
seller and you got somebody offering you something was five or even 10% less than what you knew your price, your, your, your house was positioned correctly in the market. You know, you did it right. You priced it right. Why would you even consider accepting that offer? Why would you consider that? And that will cause the buyer to stop and think. I mean, you can even go as far as to say, would you accept that? You know, would and they'll and again, you're going to be dealing with some knothead buyers who don't quite under, or they're not frankly ready to buy for a whole host of reasons. And sometimes it's just that they're not emotionally ready to commit to something. They want the whole home buying process to take forever and be this long, drawn out, painful process. You have to decide whether you want to work with that buyer or not. But you got to show them and explain to them. Everyone has the same information about what's going on in the market. If this were your home for sale, would you sell it for 10% less than you know you can sell it to uh, sell it for it to another buyer? Of course, they again, blockhead buyers will say, well, it depends on their situation. It depends on this. Of course, it depends. But generally speaking, would you? And if they don't say, I wouldn't, then you know you're dealing with somebody who probably isn't actually committed to buying a home. Because they're being uncoachable. They're not less listening to your logics, you, you know, your facts. They just are being a blockhead. Well, it's one of the it's one of the pre-qualifying uh, things that we teach them when they're pre-qualifying buyers, right? Do they have realistic expectations, right? Yes. And, you know, we covered that on yesterday's podcast because sometimes people will lowball or want to lowball, not because there's anything wrong with the house or because they're trying to be buttheads, but because they're just out of their price range. Yep. They're not qualified to go that high. So we covered those bases before we got to this point. Now, if you have determined that the listing actually warrants a lower than list price offer, record a short, professional, and factual video for the listing agent so they can explain to their seller client why you're coming in lower than list. If they can use the same fact that you did to determine a logical sale price, well, their seller might understand and be very reasonable. At the very least, they'll be more likely to counter versus reject your offer. Send your explanation video along with your offer to the listing agent. Or just do a CMA. But do a summary so that because you might be dealing with a very inexperienced listing agent. Yeah, the listing agent might have just gone with whatever the seller threw at the wall, and and maybe know. and maybe they're friends with the seller. Maybe they are you know related to the seller, so they're not going to. They're going. You, remember, we said yesterday you're oftentimes going to have to do both agents' jobs. This is an example. You do the CMA. You show what the house should sell for. Maybe that other agent was inexperienced, or they didn't want to offend their friend, or just all these other things, right? So you're helping them to present and you're becoming the bad guy in this situation because you're giving that listing agent, you know, the CMA that they frankly should have done in the first place. But that listing agent is actually going to appreciate it. Now, you got to be super careful because listing agents, especially inexperienced ones, buyers, agents, agents in general, have very big egos. So you're going to have to be very sensitive to the fact that some of these agents are going to be like, why are you telling me to do my job and crap like that? So <laughs> you're going to said short professional and factual right video. You're, exactly you're just <laughs> so you're gonna have to really think through to make sure if you're dealing with someone who has you know very fragile emotional state mm -hmm. that you're not going to do anything that will they'll be offended in any way so do it as julia is prescribing to all of you to do it now yes and you know sometimes it's not the agent sometimes it's the seller that you you know want to tread lightly with as well you can call the listing agent and kind of take their temperature and trust your yes. intuition as far as what their temperament is and julie's point right there is uh, going to be what you're going to deal with 99% of the time mm -hmm. if you have to do this, you know, use this technique. You're dealing with a seller. I mean, honestly, Julie, a lot of the overpricing Mickey Mouse, it really does lean back onto the buyer, the listing agents and experience. It does because they are not, maybe they didn't feel confident showing the seller the real comps, or maybe they showed them the comps, but the seller's personality was stronger and they were very persuasive and, and the listing get... agent really wanted the listing exactly. really bad. 
you know, there's lots of different reasons. So moving on to if after all of your presentation, your buyer still wants to lowball and it's not based on any logical reason, you may have a non-serious client to your previous point. You and they will have to decide how many times you want to prepare losing offers before you nicely break up with them. You may also be more successful with this type of client if you change your strategy to focusing exclusively on homes that have been on the market longer with no other offers to compete with. It is important uh, to ask them why they're wanting to lowball. Like get into their heads a little bit. Don't use maybe lowball. But once you've had the little short conversation with them about, you know, if you were the seller and you had all the information, why would you sell it for less kind of thing? You need to ask them what they're thinking is, why they think that, that, that you know, maybe it's a financial problem. You don't know. Maybe uh, you haven't been that close with their lender and you didn't follow our coaching and you didn't actually send them to lenders that you trust. And maybe they did some online lending thing. And dig may- deeper is what you're saying. Yeah, dig deeper. Find out what's going on in their head. Maybe it's because, and this is something you guys will trip over too, which is really hilarious. It's because they only have so much money for a down payment. They're trying to buy more house than they can actually afford because part of their down payment was going to go to buy a new fishing boat, right? Yeah. So in other words, the husband and the wife are kind of at odds with basically how this is all going to work out. So when you start asking questions, they've saved their 50 grand or whatever, uh, and you know they can qualify for the house, but the husband keeps on trying to lowball, and you start asking more questions, it's going to be because the guy's got a stack full of boating brochures. <laughs> sitting at home and he's already specking his boat online and he needs the It's ten- in the cart. It's in the cart. That's what we're saying. So ask more questions yeah. and then, you know, you guys will resolve more of these things. So just because they want a low ball doesn't mean you hit the eject button. You got to drill down deeper. You guys are coaching these folks. You're helping them. Sometimes you're doctor filling them. Other times you're going to have to be like a drill sergeant to help them see clearly. We give you all those scripts, all the techniques and premier coaching. And it all starts out with, by the way, doing a thorough job pre-qualifying them when they show up in your life and using our scripts, asking them questions mm-hmm. and using the presentation and having a very formal approach. That way, uh, it frankly, you won't have a lot of people that don't transact slip past the filters that we've put in place for you guys to implement in your real estate businesses. Very well put. So we've been talking a lot about buyer's agents because you guys are the ones dealing with the potential lowball issue. But our last point today is a note to listing agents. When you receive offers that seem like lowball offers, Go through the same steps that we've prescribed here for the buyer's agent so you can determine if it's actually a lowball or if it's reasonable based on the current market conditions and the profile of the listing, especially if you have no other offers, slow or no showings, or negative feedback that hasn't been remedied. Additionally, make sure that the buyer hasn't offered a lower price just because that's all they're qualified for. So a lot of what we've talked about over these past two podcasts is asking more questions, drilling down deeper, knowing your clients a lot better, And reassessing, you know, you might have different comps 60 days into a listing than you did when you took it. Build on the last point, Julie. Let's say you are that listing agent and let's say you're dealing with an inexperienced buyer's agent. And now the buyer's agent is best friends with the buyer and the buyer's kind of controlling the relationship and the agent has no skill, doesn't know how to explain all the things we just explained. Mm -hmm. As the listing agent, and this, by the way, is where it's almost always going to happen, you're going to have to do that buyer's agent's job. Remember all the little warnings we gave you about Mm -hmm. fragile egos and the rest of it, but you're going to have to send them a CMA and you're going to have to show them that the house is priced uh, appropriately, assuming Assuming that it it is. is. Right. Yes. And I'm going to give, this isn't exactly in alignment with the topic, but I'm going to share this with you too. 
some of you are listing agents. Some of you have, I mean, like 50% of all of our listeners and our coaching clients are active listing agents. So as a listing agent, if you're not getting offers on your properties, but you're getting showings, here's what you got to do. It's called a reverse offer. Look for people that have shown, well, I mean, this is, ideally you have maybe an agent that's shown the property two or three times. You see this agent taking their, you know, and you see the showings, the whole thing. No offer, no offer, no offer. Inexperienced buyer's agent doesn't know how to get their buyer to commit, doesn't know how to write the offer. They're not closing. They're not closing. Um, you know, a, conversa- a closing is just a natural conclusion to, you know, a conversation basically. And again, we teach you guys how to do all this uh, in Premier Coaching. So what you're going to do is you're going to write an offer to the buyer to buy. Normally an offer comes in from a buyer. The offer, you know, is coming to the seller. You're going to write an offer from the seller to the buyer. I want you to think about what I just said. Normally as a listing agent, you're waiting around for an offer to buy. As a listing agent who's trying to you know, trigger some activity on your property and you see inexperienced buyer's agents show the house repetitively but not getting any offers, you need to write an offer from the seller to sell the house to the buyer. It's called a seller's offer to buyer. And it might surprise you to know, because this is something from the archives of different types of markets, it is a great technique when you have you know, multiple showings and they're just not pulling the trigger. Uh, some MLSs actually have a dedicated form, like a worksheet that's called seller's offer to buyer. So, and there are some states like Texas, for example, where you're not allowed to come up with your own form. So you get into, you know, you're online and you find the form and you fill it out and you're good to go. And guess what will happen? You're going to have an inexperienced buyer's agent or maybe an experienced buyer's agent, but they're too close to the buyer and they don't feel like putting any pressure on them, all the stuff, you know, and they're going to present your offer to their buyer, your listing agent, you know, your offer to the buyer to buy. You're going to maybe have included a CMA and they're going to sign it and you're going to have just sold the house. That's really how it'll work. You're going to have to think more dynamically to meet your market where your market's at. You're not going to, you cannot wait around for your market to, you know, pivot this way or this way. You have to be the one that's going to pivot. You have to be the, you know, the person that has the skill set to make deals happen. 99.9% of all agents out there can only be successful in very specific market conditions. The market that is now in the past, this new market, it's going to require an entirely different skill set. You're going to have to know how to put deals together. And what you're discovering, a lot of you from listening to our podcast, a lot of this is obviously analytical, but it's really emotional. It's knowing how to present analytical information in such a way that they can receive it. You, and we coach you how to do this. A lot of times it has to, you're, you're going to share with them the, you know, analytical information in the form of a story, like Julie and I try to demonstrate on this podcast, things like that. That's how you actually become legendary in real estate. Well, an example of that, and I... I think you're so used to doing it, you might not have uh, hovered on it, was uh, if we rewind a couple of minutes where you were talking about putting the buyer in that seller's situation, would you, you know, if, if you knew your house was priced right, you don't have any condition issues and you've got some showings coming and you saw this offer and you're the seller, what would you do? That is a technique that we coach, that we teach you in coaching, which is putting them in somebody else's shoes, right? Because it removes the ego. Even if I'm a buyer that's like, you know, so help me God, I'm going to come in. I'm not going to pay them list price because I say so. But then you take my buyer's hat off and you say, well, what if you were that seller? How, I mean, you're going to sell this house after you get in contract on this. What if you see an offer like this and you knew it was priced right? What would you do? That is a specific technique. Sometimes that just rolls out of your mouth on the podcast. And I always try and hover and say, hey, this is a learned thing because our listeners will often uh, text us or email us and they'll say, how is it that your scripts are so fluent? 
It's because we've done it nine billion times, right? And because we've coached it a billion times. You too can be like that more natural, having it come out of your mouth and not even really noticing it, making it very conversational. It's a stages of learning thing. It's That's stages of learning. But what you pointed out a minute ago is it's the combination of facts plus dealing with their emotions in such a way that they can digest it, not be triggered by it, not decide to you know not do something to actually get the result that they hired you to get. You are supposed to be actually selling them a house, finding them the house of their dreams, actually getting them in contract, not just writing offers all day long. That's what they expect. And I think you make a really good point that the more times you fail at that, even though you're making it their fault for always wanting to lowball, you keep on failing at that. You're not selling a house anyway. They're going to fire you. And you've got to cross that bridge and determine Maybe that's appropriate and they weren't a buyer in the first place. Or maybe it was your skill set that didn't get them over the finish line. And by the way, uh, a lot of you, all you want to focus on is lead generation. You don't have – many of you don't really truly have a lead generation problem because you have to – you know, because of your low skill set, frankly, and pre-qualifying your buyers, what your – even sellers for that matter, you're having to uh, generate like – a billion percent more leads than you actually need. Our best agents, our best, you know, elite coaching clients have the fewest number of leads. But because, their quality is higher. Right, exactly. Because they're sifting and sorting. They're asking the tough questions. They're essentially determining whether the person's a, a now buyer or in the future buyer. And I'm going to share this with you guys as well. You know, if you generate, you don't have to tolerate, right? So that's lead generation. But if you generate lots of high quality leads, how do you do that? By how lead generation is easy. That's just a fact. You can do free lead generation, proactive lead generation, passive lead generation, where really where the rubber meets the road. So in other words, what I'm trying to express to you, a lead has no value, right? A lead by itself has no value. A pre-qualified lead especially in the buyer side, who's met all the criteria that we coach you guys to look for when you're working with a buyer, that has value. Not as much as a seller, never, never, never as much as a seller, but a pre-qualified lead. All right, so what does that mean? If you generate 50 leads, you're probably going to have 10 or 15 that are actually going to be people that will transact. But what a lot of you are doing is you're saying, I've got 50 leads. I'm going to drip on them. I'm going to spend the same equal amount of time with all of them. And because you're not asking the tough questions, you're not really being a professional, you're not sifting and sorting to find uh, the ones that are actually are going to transact. You guys get it? It's all about your skill set. Exactly. Very well put. And you know what to do about that. Just scroll down and join Premier Coaching. You can do that for free today. So if you like what you hear on the podcast, you're going to love what you get in coaching. We can't do everything. You know, we did like maybe three little mini scripts today. I think there are almost 20 price reduction scripts or, you know, a price reduction script is really an anti-lowball script in disguise. Yeah, totally. So we help you with all of those things and so many more with pre-listing package, listing presentation, buyer presentation. And it's interesting, you were talking about how our elite coaching clients have fewer but better quality leads. And it is because they sift and sort, but they do it faster. They do it a lot earlier in the conversation. And you can only do that with pre-qualification scripts for buyers and sellers, which of course you get in coaching. Let's wrap because I have to get on a Zoom, oh, but I, right. I, I am going to say this. Um, so we talked about the fact that your job should be to have you know, only a handful of really great quality leads. By handful, maybe 12 or less. Now, here's the other thing that's going to boggle out of your brains. Your long-term drip campaigns, and this has been proven and uh, infinitesimally many, 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 many times, long-term drip campaigns don't work. 
Look, I know eventually maybe somebody of the 500 people that you're dripping on are going to, you know, materialize as a buyer or a seller. But what happens is a lot of you are focusing on the wrong thing. You're trying to build these big CRMs full of a lot of drip campaigns, a lot of funneling, and you're not calling them and you're not asking the tough questions and you're not pulling out the ones that are actually going to transact. You're making an enormous mistake because you're focused on the wrong thing. And I know a lot of these fintech companies that have crept into our industry over the last 15 years, they're the ones that are making you guys confused. Please remember what Julie and I said. You need 12 or less leads at all times. Those leads have to be pre-qualified, approved. They have to meet all your minimum standards for them to actually be somebody you're going to focus your energies on. And the idea that if you have someone that shows up in your life, there is some you know, flexibility to this, but if they're going to transact any more than like four months, you know, you're going to ask them questions when you're pre-qualifying and finding out what their time frame is. If you've got somebody that's like you know, six months into the future and it's not a listing, now listings are different, but you, you know, you're going to have to decide whether or not you want to spend any time with them because the mistake a lot of you will make is I want to buy some time before the end of this year. Okay, great. I'm going to give you all my nights and weekends. I'm going to start working with you now. Okay, but Mr. Buyer, just so I'm clear, ideally, how soon do you want to be in the home? Like perfect scenario, when do you want to be in the home? And then ask more drill down questions. We give you guys that with our scripts and then actually set a deadline. And if that deadline is too far into the future, that isn't a real buyer. It just isn't. Now, sometimes with sellers, it's because I'm getting relocated in six months. It's because our new construction home is done in four months. That is different. Buyers, if they're not willing to commit to something. So Mr. Buyer, just so that I'm clear, if I show you a home, that meets, let's say, you know, eight out of 10 of your requirements, right condition, right price, right location, right floor plan, right price on a scale of one to 10, Mr. Buyer, um, you know, how motivated or how ready are you to purchase that house today? And if they say anything other than a 10, by the way, they'll almost always say seven. Yeah. So if they say anything other than a 10, they respond seven. Here's what you say. Seven. Congratulations. That's great. So what would it take to get you to a 10? You and then that- you find out the truth. Well, my lease would have to end in 18 months. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Or I'd have to save a down payment. Yeah, I'd have to. Exactly. You know, that's where you <laughs> have this, to get a job. But how many of you are just going to say, woohoo, I got a buyer? Or even worse, you're buying a flipping buyer lead from one of these portal companies. You're not really pre qualifying that buyer. You're not actually, guys, come on. It's time for you to go to the next level. The link to join Premier Coaching is down below or just go to premiercoaching.com. In the meantime, thank you for keeping this number one listen to daily podcast. For real estate professionals in at least the United States, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.